My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is B Ray. Now, B is an incredible individual. I can't wait to talk to her. She's the author of a new book, which is called What an MBA Taught Me. And then here's the best bit, the strap line, But My Kids Made Me Learn. That is the best title for a book that I've heard in a long time. She's an international speaker and an entrepreneur. She's an absolute delight. Currently, I'm in Bedfordshire and she's in Colorado. So I think one of us has got the best deal and it's not me. B, it's an absolute joy to meet you and have you on the show. Tell me, how are you doing today? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Angela. It's great. I'm great. As I mentioned, I'm on vacation with my family. We went horseback riding the other day. We've been hiking and we're going to go whitewater rafting today. So life is wonderful. Oh, wow. It sounds it as well. I'm very envious. It sounds like a wonderful place. And you've shown me out of the window. It looks beautiful. Now, I'm really grateful that you've come on the podcast because I can't wait to hear more about you. And we always start the podcast with what I call the pom-poms moments. So this is about you being able to celebrate your own successes because I always feel like we don't do this enough as individuals. So could you share with us your three proudest moments and what makes them so? Wow, that's so great and hard. As a mom, the first thing I want to go to is having three kids, which is lovely. But I think what I'll say is, one, from a book standpoint, is that I was able to land a traditional publishing deal, which was a uh, miracle in itself. And, and what ended up happening is the book is actually just on pre-sale and people will get it in their homes on December 1st. And what I love about this is you constantly, Angela, are talking about pushing through and you know not giving up and, and kind of moving forward. And what happened to me in one of my proudest moments is what an MBA taught me, but my kids made me learn, became a Barnes & Noble bestseller. Wow, it's not even out yet. (laughs) It's not even out. And and what the reason I love that so much is because it's available on Amazon now. But for the first couple of weeks, it wasn't on Amazon. And so anyone who wanted it only got it from Barnes & Noble. And so what I love is when life presents us what we think is a problem or a downside, and it turns into one of our proudest moments. And so I wanted to share that one for sure which is this thing where I was like, you know, I kind of had a bad attitude about it. Why is it not on both? 
And, and then all of a sudden I had a green banner across the book saying bestseller. And I thought, yes. So absolutely brilliant. I need to talk to you more about getting published because that is one of my ambitions, being self-published. I think it's amazing. But before we do that, let's go into number two and three and then we can backtrack. Well, I think these are kind of silly to many people, but what I would say is the second one, again, it's just back to my kids is, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm highly and expensively educated, but my proudest moment was, is actually multi-moments, but it's coming home and seeing that my three children playing together, uh, Scrabble or I didn't allow them things like a Wii, these video games growing up. We saw them at like, we did the house swaps, but we now have one. So the kids are 10, 15 years later going, mom, we're finally cool. (laughs) Love is that they love each other. And that wasn't always the case. We had teenage years and I remember they kind of got involved in too many of their, you know, peers. And one year when I picked them up and 90 days, we went to Australia as a family. And ever since then, that was in 2016, they love each other way more than they love me, which is exactly how it should be. And I see that in these moments. So it's not one moment, but when I come home and I see the three of them engaging with each other, it, that is just a dream, dream come true. What's the mix then, boys, girls? So my daughter is in college and then she has two stinky brothers left no. for both of them are taller than I am. One is six foot five. Wow. The other one in COVID has grown four inches just during quarantine. So yes, we've been eating a lot and sleeping and those things lead to growth. So they're all teenagers, 20, 17 and 14 at the moment. It's interesting though, that 90 days together, it's almost like the COVID experience, isn't it? The lockdown experience. Uh, but of course we were traveling I drove 6,000 miles across Australia. We took a 25-hour train. And so I think it was that glue of adventure. And, you know, I had all these grand plans that the kids would do online schooling. And my daughter did. We were in the middle of the outback. She's under a satellite taking AP chemistry at 3 o'clock in the morning. The brothers, not so much. They were younger. The internet access was harder. The video thing didn't work. But my son did learn how to, you know, throw up a rock, get a coconut, cut it in half and turn it into a bikini top for his Life sister. skills. <laughs> so he has these, like, I was like, you're going to get into a fraternity, honey, that you may not have learned algebra, but. That's yeah. entrepreneurial spirit, I say. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty, that is really great. And then I think the third thing is, again, I don't know if it's a moment, but I've had my family's been through a lot. Just we have been through financial devastation and a failed marriage. But I am now a little over a year ago, I met Mr. Perfect and have a lovely new family and a fabulous husband. And we, so it's again, it's not really a moment, but it was a life and a blessing. I don't yeah. think I had the courage to envision and just kept set, taking steps towards creating what I thought we would want. And now we have it. And so that in a lot of different moments, we spent a lot of time on our boat. You know, I tell him he got the bargain marriage. He got a wife, three kids and a dog. I got the bonus marriage, came with a grandbaby, a boat. (laughs) 
I won. I, I have a friend who's like, Shh, does he know he's been duped? He's so, yeah. so won getting you. He's so <laughs> won. So, Dee, does that mean then that this trip to Australia that you undertook was you as a single mum? It was me as a single mom, and I actually had four children with me. I took my three and my niece, wow. and um, it was. And the, the other thing is, we're not wealthy, and back then we were not wealthy at all. So the way this trip happened was, I had been a single mom, sole provider, sole caretaker for my three kids for more than ten years, and I went to sign a lease because I thought that as a parent, you should put shelter over your child. It seemed like something you had to do. You know, you feed him and you shelter him and the rest is, I hope it happens. And the guy was mean. And I kept thinking to myself, why is he not answering my questions? And then I asked this question, you know, those things that you don't, you're thinking outside the box. And I remember thinking, how much money does he not want? And in my head, I started calculating, hmm, four months rent. Oh, you don't have to pay cable if you don't rent electricity, that's like $12,000. What could a girl do with $12,000? Oh, I have some frequent flyer miles. We could go somewhere. And so I didn't take my children to Australia. They, they took me. They got rid of the Legos and the old games and, so, and clothes, things that we just didn't need anymore in our home. And we d- donated it all away. And then stuff that we would want to come back to, we either put in storage or with my parents. And so they moved me. They moved us to this big home so that we did not pay rent for four months and not doing that afforded us that you can only go to Australia for 89 days for a visa. Uh And so we went away for those 90 days. And in my mind, they not only were the ones that afforded the trip because they allowed me to move out of the house to save the money. But then I was tired. I'd worked very, very hard in a job we accomplished sort of six years worth of work in three. We really did a ton of stuff. And I thought, oh, I'll just put my feet up and I'll work a little bit you know, on the internet. We'll go to the beach. And my daughter said, oh no. And she presented me a list of 32 waterfalls, cliff jumps, national parks, hikes, and we plotted it out and went across that, not oh, the whole country, wow. but about half of the country. So, I mean, incredibly brave for <laughs> a, a woman to undertake on her own with four kids, not even three, four. What did you learn from that? Well, you know, I talk about this in the book, and this is so one of the reasons I'm so excited to speak with you is you are very much this like, go do it, have that can-do attitude. So I'll give you an example. As I thought, I want to go to the Outback. Well, I've got more guts than sense. So I didn't know what the Outback was. Like, I didn't realize it's the majority of the country. And it wasn't until we got in the motorhome. And in my mind, we were going to national parks because that's what it said. <laughs> and I got a map. And so first of all, what I learned is maps aren't really maps. The streets are just there or the roads are there sometimes of the year, but not the rainy season. You know, <laughs> Maybe the road's there, maybe it's not. The other thing I learned is maps are not for all cars. So we had a motorhome, which is a small motorhome, but that's what they call it. And the roads aren't are for the campers. It's for four-wheel drives. So <laughs> there are so many things. Like one time I was like, okay, kids, I know you're getting hot and thirsty. It says right here, we're two hours away from the welcome center. And then we're only an hour and a half. And then we're hours. So I'm counting down. And I'm envisioning a very glass air conditioned <laughs> building 
with people in uh, tan suits coming over to give me instructions and maps and to help me out. So I'm counting this down. I'm sure there's going to be a vending machine, maybe a cafeteria, like we're going to eat. It's just going to be great. So don't worry, kids. We're almost there. We're getting there. Well, as I count down five minutes, three minutes, we get there and it is a wooden sign. And it says, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) And that was the welcome center. So here I have traveled, you know, across the United States and a 14 hour flight. Then I've driven to God knows where. And I said to myself, oh my God, I found the outback. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely did. (laughs) I said, a lot more guts than sense many days. And we had a glorious, that we spent the rest of that month, you know, in this campsite and that campsite. And there was one day where my daughter could see on social media, this infinity pool. So you'd go drive, whatever, however many miles past this road, that's not really a road. And, and you hike up and then there's waterfall, waterfall. I mean, it's the most glorious thing. Well, my car wasn't allowed on that because it's not a real road. So there was this like beeping from the GPS saying, turn back, turn back. And it goes, beep, you've just been charged $352. Oh but we, and I just, we made it um, nine miles an hour with the clanging of the cabinets and the dishes, but we just kept going forward. And I think about that moment all the time and we had a great experience. So Absolutely. The resilience <laughs> in that as well. It's incredible. What a great lesson for your kids to learn from you. You know, your book is about learning from them. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Tell me about getting a publishing deal. How did that feel? Well, it definitely felt great. So I've been in publishing for five or six years. I came to Charleston. So I li- I'm in Colorado this minute, but I live in Charleston, South Carolina, in the East Coast of the US. And I came to run the Forbes Books Entrepreneurship Practice Group, which was a glorious job. So I, I know how hard it is. I know mostly the people I've worked with have done self-publishing. I know how long and expensive it can be to write a book and to publish a book. And I never had any vision that I would traditionally publish, partly because it's very hard to do. It takes so much time. But what happened is I had a book plan, largely because I had been working with a partner. Anyway, and I, I had a friend and he, his name is Raul. And Raul, I, I showed him the book plan and, and quite frankly, it was terrible. Someone, <laughs> someone, it's a long story, but I had like earned the right for this person to do that for me. I'd spent a year building up his business. And so he owed me $50,000 worth of writing and that wasn't working. And I said, well, how about just what would be a $16,000 book plan? So, but I get it back and it's awful. Oh, and I gosh. showed my friend Raul and he's like, eh. you know, and, and, and it's not that this person is bad. I think he just was very formulaic and, and you've already, you know, we've known each other for long, like friends after 10 minutes. And so I am not formulaic. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we just went through the outback, right? So that, and I, so it just was not for me. And I, I called Raul one day and I said, I can spend this amount of time writing two chapters or redoing the book plan. And I just wanted him to say the only logical thing, which is, of course, write the two chapters because we got to get it done so you can get it published. And he said the wrong answer, which was do the book plan. Well, I was mad, but I listened to him. And of course, it turned out to be the right answer. Mm-hmm. So now I have this book plan, which I then loved because it was all about my it heart, was all about personal stories. And, and so once you had it, you had to send it out. So I sent it to this person, to that person. And 
just people I knew, but I only gave myself two weeks. And I sent it to agents, flat, no, 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 no. And lots of notes. But what ended up happening is I got three deals. Wow. I know, which is unheard of, but it is one of my main lessons in life. And I talk about this in the book is you never, ever go for one. Don't ever go for one job at a time. You must have a BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. You must have a BATNA. So for example, when I got the job with Forbes Books, I also had a job waiting for me in Atlanta. Like there's no sense in ever going for one job because then you can't even think to yourself, you can't weigh out, is this the right opportunity? And so I was very blessed to end up with three deals, but uh, you kind of have to have two where you don't have a bearing as to, is this good or bad? And I know that to be true because the first deal came in and I almost jumped at it. And it would have been terrible. They would have done a traditional deal, but they sell to libraries and schools. And that's not who I'm really it's not selling. the audience, no. no. And it would have been, you know, my book is expensive because it's a beautiful hardback book and it has illustrations. And so it's $27, but it's, I mean, like I said, people are already buying it and it's my whole heart. So you can have my entire heart and mind and soul for 27 bucks. That's all right, right? Cheap, I'd say. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but that deal would have been $50. They sell books for, and it just wouldn't have worked for the cost of a book. And so... I ended up with two others. They both were great. And how it really happened, how I got the deal that I took is because, and this is another lesson, and I know it's one that you preach and I've already seen with you, is I picked up the phone and I had a phone call because I wanted to help some other person. Is I, I had a pal that I'd met at a conference. We're both speakers or keynote speakers. So we're just touching base. You know, hey, what's going on with you? And in my mind, my goal of that call was to help him because he's just a nice guy and he does great things. And at the very end of the call, he said, well, do you want me to introduce you to my publisher? Uh, Yeah. Wow. And so he did. And the publisher, I talked to the president of the publishing company, Postal Press. And by the end of the call, he was sending me a contract and we were done. How insane is that in terms of synchronicity? It's amazing. Yeah. And, and of course, in just all those lessons, if you put your heart out first to help someone else. Then you, know. you get it back. And now it's there and it's got the bestseller banner on it and it's not even out properly yet. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so thrilled for you. And tell us more about it then. What will we get if we get the book? So thank you. So it is all business lessons. It's basically looking at roughly 16 leadership lessons, executive skills. So things like gratitude, attitude, negotiation, collaboration, listening. So those are the kinds of things that are kind of the main part of the chapter. And then I look at them through at least three different lenses. I did attend Harvard Business School. So I talk a lot about the details at Harvard Business School. So for example, the chapter on listening, I hope you feel as if you've attended Harvard Business School, the way it's done in a case study method, the way you have to listen to the 80 people in the classroom. Remember, I have to remember that Angela said this. I didn't really agree with it, but I got to say it in a proper way where I more agree with what Jeff said over here. That kind of, someone said at the reunion, you all came here with a story to tell, but you left world-class listeners. So I, I dive deep into something like that. But then I have 30 years of experience working with over 300 entrepreneurial companies across 24 countries. And so I've watched the skill of listening or not listening, get in the way, lead to great things, have a chance to pivot. 
And I'll tell stories about that because I believe, certainly I believe in OPM, other people's money, go get a loan. <laughs> but, but mostly I believe in other people's mistakes. And so <laughs> from other people, and I try to bring in stories of my own mistakes and those 300 people. And I want my reader to learn from that so that when you, you know, if you're in, if you're 28 years old, I want you to walk away as if you were 65 years old with experience. And that definitely shines through. But in every situation, what I found when I took six years off to be with my kids and I finally went back to work, no skills, I thought, no one would hire me. I thought like, what can I possibly offer? And what I found is that's when my career took off. And the reason it took off is because I had learned so much about the most important things, the people skills, the listening, the attitudes, the just building margin in your life. And I had learned so much of that by being a mom. Mm -hmm. And so that's my third lens that I bring to any one of these 16 topics is here's what my child has to say about that. And it's usually not one little vignette. There's many, but things like you know, hey, mom, if they ride horses, why do we call them cowboys? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Great question. So we got to be paying attention to what people are hearing, what they're learning, what they're taking away, etc. And I'm not surprised then that it actually got snapped up because it's very different. So you're sharing the theory, but you're putting it through a personal story element as well. And then looking at what a five-year-old or a 10-year-old would think about that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's authentic. I mean, I hope you laugh for sure. That's what I want people to do. But there's a couple places where you cry. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, there's a place where I talk about failure. And at one point it's, my daughter looked at me and she said, this isn't vacation, is it mom? Those are really powerful words. So I went through a terrible financial devastation and marriage to an incredible man who well-traveled, very brilliant, and yet everything had fallen apart, including the $700,000 of personal debt. And as you've already learned, I am stubborn and I was not giving up. And we lived in this gorgeous house that it wasn't just our house. The tiles in the wall were like, had fingerprints of my children in it. Like we were never going to leave this home. And yet I hadn't paid a mortgage in I don't know, eight months or so. And so I organized our summer to be full of fun. It was a week at Uncle Bill's pool. It was a week at so-and-so's vacation lake. It was a week at Nan and Pop's beach. And meanwhile, we were renting out our house week by week by week by week. And one time someone had our beautiful home for you know 10 times what I was paying sort of in this dilapidated home, not far away so I could check on it. And it was such a mess that I took a scoop of ice and put the milk in it and put it in the refrigerator. But the refrigerator didn't actually work. We were hanging clothes up on the line. And that's when I call her Cindy Lou Who. Because remember when Cindy Lou Who yes. saw Claus and said, why are you putting the tree up the chimney? Yeah. So my daughter at the moment was Cindy Lou Who. And she came up behind me and she said, this isn't vacation, is it mom? And that was my moment where I had to turn around and realize, you know, it was time to face that $700,000 of debt. It was time to be honest with my children and myself and my situation. And that was the only way we were able to get out of it. And indeed we did get out of it. No longer had the marriage, no longer had been accumulating all of those problems. And I'd worked three full-time jobs for three years while being the sole caretaker of my children. But then we're, we're good. Like wow. it did not last forever. 
I mean, that is true adversity, isn't it? Where you're kind of on your knees and everything that you've built has fallen apart and everything that you knew to be true has just crumbled around you. And yet you found the ability because you don't have any choice when you're a mom, do you? Well, I said that in my TEDx talk, people used to say to me, gosh, how do you do all that you do when you do it with a smile? And I said, because I can't do it with a frown. You can't. And that, you know, that's my children. I'm so grateful. Of course, they're fabulous. And I love being with them. But like, where would I be if I didn't have to feed them? I don't know. You know, but like those beautiful smiles are looking at you and they want peanut butter. And someone's got to have to find a way to get that peanut butter on the table. And they're the big reason why, aren't they? Now, tell me, how do you manage children through a transition like that? Because you're saying you're working three jobs. They've been used to having it all. And now things are difficult. Being a mom in that scenario must be so tough. Well, you know, we live in a society now where affluenza is a problem, right? Kids get too much given to them. Yeah. We parents help them too much with their college applications. We do. That's not the problem at my house. <laughs> and so, in a, and, and it's a great blessing, actually. So my kids, I never fill out things like registration for soccer or, you know, even the doctor's form, you know, they do all that. And I did have one business partner one time where I finally had to say, you know, I'm not reading the emails. I'm doing the carpool and I'm handing my phone to the kid next to me. And he's reading that and telling me, who do you need to reply to? So my kids are very integrated into my work and they're very independent. But so I had to tell this one business person, you know, you got to watch the vocab here (laughs) because she wasn't always saying appropriate words. And there might be another reason to get rid of that. But anyway, that was part of it. And my children know, and this was really sad, but I never once took my child to ballet or to soccer practice. I always made them fill up the car with three other ballerinas or soccer players so that that would mean three different rides that they would get somewhere else. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because my daughter almost got like backlash where she was in a community where parents were just happy to wait around for their kids and God love them that they could. But the other daughters were like, why are we coordinating? And so that it just was a little awkward at first and then it became great. But I had one scene that I loved, which was a wonderful partner, Kat. She also was a single mom and she had two boys the same age as mine and they happened to be on the same teams. And so we got ourselves in such a good habit where one day I would have the younger, she would have the older. And depending on the schedule, when we did the trade-off, we handed each other a meal. So one day she would hand me a meal and vice versa. And so I learned her kids' preferences and she learned mine. And when you're in it alone, you build teams. That is amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And so you work these three jobs and, and then if we roll forward to now, yeah. you obviously you're not working three jobs in the same way as you were then. You probably are, but differently. Tell me more about your career now. So obviously you're a writer, but what else do you do? So I'm a speaker. So isn't that great for this time? <laughs> well, you're a storyteller. You know, you're brilliant at it. I know. Well, thank you. So I had already been doing some great work as a keynote speaker. And that's really what shaped the book. That's a really hard thing to do during COVID, of course. And some of it has moved online. I've I've learned some tricks on Zoom, you know, the breakout rooms and when you can do intimate breakouts, when you can't. I've had the privilege of speaking to dozens of people at the same time in six different countries. And so companies will hire me to... People are really distant right now. So they want someone who can kind of tell some stories and bring a little bit of skills and practical 
advice, especially when your teams are working remotely. So that's how I make a living. And sometimes I speak to a group of 10 people. I do have 20 in-person talks on my calendar for 2021. Wow. They happen for every single one. It may turn into Zoom. And the stories I just told about you know, being a partner start again for me on Tuesday is my children were all assigned. My now 14-year-old is assigned to virtual school. And we just don't want to do that. So we've organized a family of five. We've established COVID safe rules, a family meaning a pod of his five best friends. And I have Monday, someone has Tuesday, someone has Wednesdays. And we are recreating what school would look like because it's best for the kids. And then I can plan I'm going to be there totally present on Monday. I don't have to coach them. Their math is, you know, I stopped at fifth grade math. These kids are way above me. So I'm not going to teach them, but I am going to be there to encourage them now, get outside and play basketball. It's a break. Creating the environment so that they can flourish. But I will be on phone calls and meetings and maybe, you know, in some cases traveling the rest of the week. Oh, that's brilliant. What a great, and it's that team thing again, isn't it? Absolutely. Because I have so much experience, the other four have been like, thank you so much for organizing. I would have never thought. And I'm like, you didn't live through what I lived through. Like, this is how we roll. Oh, I love it. Well, talking about how you roll then, let's talk about the things that drive and motivate you. People. So I think a big thing, I'll give you one example, is... I love to speak in front of an audience. I love that energy. I don't actually mind the Zoom thing as long as I can see your face smiling back at me. I actually keep a picture of a woman behind my computer screen that I one time made laugh and you know the professional photographer got a gorgeous. And I keep her in case you show up on my Zoom meeting and you're so busy cooking dinner that I don't get to get that reinforcement. But I love to be in front of an audience. I love to tell a story, obviously. But what happens... Uh, December was I was the keynote for a great conference. I was hired when the keynote the year previously, there was only 188 people. But this year, there were going to be 500 people. And she said, you've got to set the tone for our conference because you're the first speaker. Mm -hmm. And I really want it to be intimate. I don't want to lose that intimacy. And so I came authentic as possible. And I told, you know, just my true self. Well, what happened was I just told you, I love, I love not only being in front of the audience, I love the puzzle of figuring out what does this audience uniquely need? Because it's never the same talk. I I told you I have these 16 topics. Usually we choose one or two. We may just talk about the imposter syndrome. We may just talk about negotiation. We may just talk about building margin in your life so that you can be there for those important moments. But I, I was giving the keynote and I was my true self talking about the certain things that they had asked for. And what happened was after that talk, I got so many emails, texts, social media love that I realized even if I hated this work, I would do it because someone needed the message. Someone needed that message that people skills is what it's all about. Yeah. That executive leadership, it's not about an elite institution. It's about how do you connect with people? How do you care about them first? How do you lead them through turbulent times? And if we can do those things, everything will work out. And so what happened, it was a great blessing to me. I had had a draft of the book that was formulaic, threw it away. I had had a draft of the book that was a 
real estate postcard for really for Forbes books. So I was going to publish it through this. I love that employer, but that wasn't my book. That wasn't my heart. And because of this talk, I scrapped both of those plans and just spoke about my story. So that it's not scientific. I'm not a researcher. It's not, it's based some on my 300 companies that I've worked with, but it is not academically sound as a authority on people skills. It's It's based on your experience and and what you've learned working with people. Correct. Tell me, you were talking about speaking in front of people and people smiling back at you. But whenever I speak to people who are speakers, and indeed I'm one as well, when the one or three people or even hundred people don't smile back at you, how do you cope with that bit? How do you keep yourself buoyant? So that's hard. Well, I told you my trick when it's on Zoom is I have a picture yeah. behind this as a reminder. I've ne- I have to say, I've never once had no one smiling back. There are many times where I find the one head bobber and I might speak to that person. But you know what you're teaching me is what we should say is, y'all might be noticing, you've 200 over there, that I'm only speaking to the guy in the blue shirt because he's smiling at me. If you want me to speak at you, come on, give me a smile. Like maybe that's what we need to do. I love that. <laughs> and sometimes it's literally just the look of concentration that somebody has, isn't it? It happens right. on podcasts as well. Right. But yeah, the smiling thing for me is really important too. I love to connect with people who smile. So, you know, well, I am speaking to you in a country where we are separated by a common language, right? English. But across the world, you know, I am really blessed that I, I mentor women across dozens of countries. And so we know, well, so oftentimes there's an actual language barrier, but there's never a smile barrier. Totally um, agree. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, are you a fan of Brene Brown? Huge, huge, of course. She is my goddess. And obviously she likes to talk about vulnerability. So I always ask guests about what they think vulnerability is and what it means to them. So let's get your take on it. Well, I'll tell you what it feels like. It feels hard. It hurts for me. There's a twitching at the end of my nose when things are really hard. (laughs) You know, I mean, there were days when life got so hard for me that I actually got up at five o'clock in the morning and cried it out before seven so I could greet my children. Because I do believe in attitude and I believe that positive energy, if we can just bring that, that's so much more important than even a, you know, beautifully cooked egg omelet. But I actually, to get real authentic, real vulnerable, I'll tell you the story that I would lie down and I would count like tears, like which eye is winning, you know, the tears coming from the left or the right. And I still want to know why do some tears roll off the edge here over the nose? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but I have a lot of experience. I'll tell you that I've got a lot of experience. And I think that's what me sharing that with you. Yeah is explaining what vulnerability is. I have a very blessed life, but not every day, even today. Even we went through COVID and it was hard. It was disorienting. I said, honey, gosh, it's been three days. Well, it had been six and there's fever and there's aches. But for me, it was a despair. And not everybody talks about that. But on today 10, the mental 
despair of just family expectations. By then the house was really messy. Like I'm the luckiest person I've ever met. And yet there are definitely days that are hard for sure. And my goodness, you've earned that luck, haven't you? When you talk about what you've been through, COVID is like the least of your problems in terms of, in terms of what you've weathered. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. Well, you know, and they say it, right? I was a 10-year overnight success, right? <laughs> so life can be challenging for sure. Yeah, you've earned every single bit of success that you have. And as we go into the five-second game rule, I know that you'll be successful at this too. So I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to give me three answers within five seconds. Oh boy, I feel like I know, I'm going to her down. <laughs> yep, she's, she's rubbing her hands together, getting ready for this one. So in the five-second game rule, can you give me three things that you can do to perk up your mood? Smile is one. Serve someone else and just keep moving keep moving moving forward love that brilliant and in the five second game rule can you give me three words that describe you authentic energetic and honest oh do you know what the authentic bit if you hadn't said that I'd have said that three times over (laughs) because you really genuinely are one of the most authentic people I've ever met and not met, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Oh, I've, I, do you know what? I could, I could literally carry on talking to you now for another hour and it would feel like five minutes. Well, it, we need to do that, just girls. We oh, we to- really do. It's been such a joy and we've only scratched the surface in terms of you and what you're all about. But just Remind us about the book again, because I'll not get the title right again now. So you give me the title. (laughs) Sure. So it is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I would love to hear from any one of your podcast listeners, because if you just send me, even through social media, tweet or tag both Angela and myself that you've gotten the book, because I have a present for any listener of yours that I just want to hear from. So, but you got to reach out. And so the, my name is B, B-E-A, and the last name is Ray, W-R-A-Y. So I got two lousy syllables, B, Ray, that's the whole thing. That's my webpage, bray.com. That's me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And the book is actually, and, and you can find it just by my last name on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But the book is entitled, What an MBA Taught Me and the tagline is, but my kids made me learn. I love it. So the prize, what do people have to do? They have to get the book and they have to tag you and me and say that they've got it. And I will reply back to them. And then I will send, they're going to get something in the actual snail mail. I don't want people to put their social media, you know, their snail mail, but I'm going to send them something. Oh, uh, wow. heard about it on your podcast. That is amazing. So I'm going to put all of that in the show notes anyway, so people okay, don't need great. to to remember it but oh that will be brilliant and what a Christmas present so it's properly out it will land on the doorsteps early December yeah so I already have friends who I don't know if I'll keep this up but I already have friends I've been sending they get green envelopes if they have told me they were buying it for a Christmas present and I can do that and I have stacks and stacks of blue envelopes I've sent out for friends that have bought it for Hanukkah and so yeah many people have purchased it as a gift which I think I hope it is a gift. I hope that people love it and that 
And I speak more to men than to women, which is really interesting, but I'm hired by women's women of consumer finance, women of auto care, women, you know, because I've never been a dad, but I am a mom. And um, I hope that people hear the message that parenting is not something to be hidden from our LinkedIn profiles. So the cover of me on the book is me sitting in a business attire on a jungle gym because Sheryl Sandberg says, it's not a linear ladder, your career, it's a jungle gym. And I'm trying to validate that parenting is a spot, an important spot on that jungle gym. Oh my goodness. And, totally agree with you. And, and they're very much, as you say, part of your business. My kids are part of mine yeah. and it's really important. For sure. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been so a joy. You are a delight. And I wish you every success with the book and beyond. I know there'll be another one that'll come out beyond. I can't wait to see the title for that one as well. (laughs) And enjoy the rest of your day. And I will speak to you very soon. I look forward to it. We're going to do some great things together. Thank you. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.